the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. This program was originally broadcast live on 93.9 KPDQ. We hope you enjoy the show. This is the Georgine Rice Show. The sandwich lady downstairs was unavailable, so this is Mike Lee filling in for Georgine. I'm also privileged to host our ministry spotlight program, Difference Makers, which airs at 1 p.m., Fridays and Saturdays on True Talk 800, and Saturday afternoons at 1 on 93.9 KPDQ. And I'd love to talk with you about getting more people back to your church, sharing about your ministry through our free online church directory and our church service live stream directory, expanding your ministry or business beyond your walls, establishing yourself as an authority in your field, and becoming more known through radio, building awareness of your company or outreach by hosting our events at your location at no risk to you, marketing your message or brand directly to your target audience through the latest and most powerful online tools of Salem Surround, And most importantly, if your ministry leader or pastor could use a phone call, a word of encouragement, a cup of coffee, or a connection to others, please email me at mikelee at kpdq.com. That's M-I-K-E-L-E-E at kpdq.com. Our very special guest is the founder and executive director of Abuse Recovery Ministry Services, also known as ARMS in Hillsboro. Welcome, Stacey Womack. How are you today? I'm great. Thank you for having me. Thanks so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to join us. And could you give us your elevator pitch, your view from 30,000 feet? What exactly is Abuse Recovery Ministry Services, also known as ARMS? Well, we're a nonprofit uh, and a religious nonprofit at that. And we are providing free services for those who have experienced or are experiencing domestic violence or abuse. We also work with those who uh, perpetrate abuse. So we work with both men and women we use abusive behaviors, and we do a lot of trainings for the community just to help them understand this and even do a lot of consulting with pastors and church staff on how to handle situations that they're facing. That's wonderful, Stacy. So how did you get into abuse recovery ministry services in the first place? Well, it's kind of an interesting story that I don't really have time to go into all of it, but uh, the short answer is God called me into it. It doesn't come from personal experience. But really, God calling me into ministry, and I spent two years seeking Him on exactly what that was. And this was the door He opened, and I stepped through it without knowing more than the average person. And now I've been at it for 25 years. I think it's especially neat, Stacy, when God calls someone out of their comfort zone into an area where they're less familiar. In my wife's case, God's really put homelessness on her heart. But in your case, it's not like you were someone who was abused, who is trying to share your experience with someone else. God really put this on your heart. So how did you know? Well, I don't know how much time you have, Mike, for me to tell the whole story. But uh, really, you know, for two years, he gave me these really broad things about, I felt like God was just speaking to me about the ministry he had for me and how I'd be helping people turn their sorrows into joy, but especially for women. And uh, through a series of events, the door opened, uh, with an organization out of California, 
uh, that I was able to partner with for a short time before God said, you know, I've got more for you. I want you to start your your own nonprofit. And I actually had no desire to do that whatsoever. Uh, God had bigger plans. All I was going to do is lead one group of women through their healing process. And uh, now we are national and international with our women's recovery program and uh, working to help uh, train others to do even our intervention portion of things that we're doing. So uh, if I if I took the time to tell you the whole story behind it, it would probably take 45 minutes. So um, maybe we should keep it at that. And uh, But I can tell you, I am very driven to be obedient to what God has called me to do. And I think that's what sustained me all these years because it is not easy work. It sustained me just knowing that I am where God wants me to be. With all the people that you've been able to help out through arms over the years, Stacy, is it ever difficult for you to turn that off and to just be Stacy? I think for most ministry leaders, I think that that, uh, that is hard. I, I think for any caring profession, that's hard. Uh, I think that... Um, it's not for me so much carrying like people's stories because God really, really addressed that one time when I was having a hard time. Um, I had a couple of women that this was before I even had an office. I was volunteering out of my home and I had a couple of women who were going to be homeless and I'd spent all day looking for places for them to stay. Couldn't find any place. And I prayed with both of them, got off the phone and I was standing there and I just remember exactly what the weather was like, the moment, and God just spoke so clearly. He said, Stacy, do you believe what you pray? And then I heard him say, if you're not going to pray in faith, don't pray at all. And so that helped me to learn that I needed to trust God, that when I prayed for these people who were going through these very difficult situations, that, that he's, he had it. And within a couple of weeks, I heard from both of the women, and God had provided uh, long-term housing for both of them. So he, he, he had it. He had it taken care of. For me, the caring is probably the sense of responsibility that I feel for the organization and for my staff and the volunteers that work with us. Um, it's hard to turn that off uh, at night sometimes, especially now that my husband works with me full-time too. It's easy to start talking about work rather than going, no, this is our space away from work so that we can rest. So that's probably been more of a challenge. Well, I'm glad that you and your delightful husband, Jerry, working together are able to keep tabs on each other because it's so easy to burn out when you're working in ministry and you're trying to help abused women out, isn't it? It is. It's, it's, uh, it's very, you know, and, in, and I think ministry in general is tiring and it's a lot harder than what most people would think. Well, that's for sure. So how long have you been working with your husband, Jerry? When did he join the arm as fold, Stacy? <laughs> well, he's probably been with me from the very beginning. Honestly, I wouldn't be where I'm at today without his support because everything was so fresh and new. I was just a stay-at-home mom at the time and didn't have any business experience. I'd barely been an employee myself uh, when we married. And so uh, he he's just helped me in every way. He's just always been there. Whatever we needed, he was there. Uh, but as far as full-time with me, he's been with me for about the last eight years. And uh, honestly, I don't think that I would have survived without him uh, coming on staff. He's, he's just been such a support and such a, a rock for me, and I, I just really appreciate him so much. 
How wonderful it is that you could work together as a married couple, Stacy Womack of ARMS. So do you have any suggestions? Because personally, I don't believe all family, in particular married couples, really should be working together. So do you have any good tips for us? <laughs> um, I would I'd probably agree with that, that not everybody uh, could do this. Um, I think that uh, that... The important thing is that the heart is serving, and Jerry is it has an extreme heart of serving, and so he, he never makes it about himself, and I don't want it to be about myself either. So he's uh, he really keeps me level. We're, we're like perfect opposites. We actually did counseling one time, and they did all these evaluations, and the counselor came back and said, you know what? I have never met a couple that was... Uh, better suited based on the evaluations they did as far as like our compatibility. Um, and I just think that, you know, the, the willingness to be humble, to admit when you're wrong, the willingness to listen to one another and decide what's best rather than trying to just get your way has been super beneficial. And since we work in a field that is constantly addressing parent control and equality, it presses us to to do that ourselves. And so I think doing this work over the years has actually helped us have a stronger relationship. Great advice from the founder and executive director of Abuse Recovery Ministry Services, also known as ARMS. Stacy Womack and ARMS helps men and women who have had problems with domestic abuse by providing victim recovery batterers intervention and secondary aggressors programs and we're going to hear more about that from stacy when we return but i want you to follow a couple of social media addresses on facebook it's abuse recovery ministry and services also known as arms and on instagram follow abuse recovery ministry and you can find out more details about stacy womack and the ministry at abuserecovery.org. That's abuserecovery.org. I'm Mike Lee filling in for Georgine, and you're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Welcome back to The Georgine Rice Show. I'm Mike Lee in for Georgine. Stacy Womack is the founder and executive director of Abuse Recovery Ministry Services, also known as ARMS. Make sure to follow Abuse Recovery Ministry and Services, ARMS, on Facebook, as well as Abuse Recovery Ministry on Instagram. And check out the website, abuserecovery.org. That's abuserecovery.org. Stacy, how wonderful it is for you and Jerry to be able to work together. It is. And I love the fact that ARMS is a non-denominational Christian nonprofit group. So can you give us an idea of what ARMS has to offer churches in our area? Yeah, you know, I, especially now that things are opening back up, um, we had done a lot of this, but it's kind of like we're having to start fresh again. So one of the things that we do is we can come in and provide like a, a two-hour training is our, our most common training that we offer to help just train church, train church staff on understanding issues of domestic violence and abuse. Um, nobody gets this training when they go to seminary or even in uh, as social workers or even counselors. They get very little, maybe two hours uh, at the most. So this is something that we can come in and give a fuller perspective because we have been dealing with it from all sides. And so that's one of the things that we can do. 
We can also uh, do consulting with pastors who may be dealing with a couple and they're not sure what to do or how to handle that situation or what to be aware of or even where to send them. Uh, that can be something that we can help them with. And then we provide these these programs that they can send uh, their people to and, and be assured that they're sending them to a place that is Christ-centered, that believes that Jesus is the answer, uh, and that uh, partnering with him is the way to make change and have healthy relationships. And so we are there to serve them however they feel they need us to. Well, that's wonderful, Stacy. So are most of the people that you're able to help people of faith? I would say in our, our women's recovery program called Her Journey, that is uh, most of the women seek us out specifically because we are faith-based. So although we occasionally um, have women who are not women of faith or women of other faiths who attend the program who just find it a really safe place. In our intervention programs for our men and our women, uh, I would say that uh, most of them have at least a little bit of church background. That's kind of what we ask for. They have to at least believe God exists. So we have a real, uh, a real wide variety. We have uh, people who who went to church a little bit in their childhood and haven't been back since. I'm sure when they come to us, there's somebody out there praying for them. Um, And that's why they're in front of me at the moment or one of our facilitators. Uh, And then we have other people who are very, very active in their church when they come to us um, and yet uh, have very unhealthy relationships. So they know a lot about the Bible, but don't really know how to live it out in their lives. What areas are you able to help out through ARMS, Stacy? Like, if you were to say geographically what your sweet spot is, would that be Portland, Vancouver, East Side, West Side? How far would you go? You know, we're, we're actually national and international because we're in Kenya, Mexico, and Canada, and are getting ready to add a couple more African nations. But the vast majority of those we serve are in the Northwest, so the Tri-County area, Multnomah, Washington, Clackamas County, but we really do expand beyond that. We have a partnership with national and international organizations like CityGate Network, which is the hub for all the Union Gospel Rescue Missions, uh, Heartbeat International, and CareNet, uh, which are both pregnancy hubs, pregnancy center hubs for um, pro-life, and we do a lot of partnership with them as well. So those organizations are national and international so we're we're serving and training people in their centers and missions to actually offer our her journey program right in their facility that's wonderful stacy so can you give us the big idea what exactly is her journey what are the strengths of it and who needs to find out more about it so her journey is a 15-week uh, recovery program for women who have experienced abuse it could have been a long time ago could be current it could be women who are in abuse and who are trying to figure out what to do. Uh, it's just a really safe place to come and hear God's, God's heart. Uh, it is not a process group, so that we don't sit around and talk about all the bad things they've experienced, but really hear God's heart around them and how he loves them and how to set healthy boundaries, how to deal with depression, how to learn to dream again, just a lot of different topics. But we run it year-round. Because when the women reach out to us, we know that if we are not available the moment they need it, we may lose them because the cycle of abuse, the person who's using the abusive behavior draws her back into their relationship very, very quickly. So we want her to come when she is ready. So 
They can join at any time. They can uh, just call us and get the information about where to go. We don't post it anywhere for safety reasons. Uh, we have lots of virtual options as well. If, if one of the other ones doesn't work for them or we don't have something in their area. So they can um, join and begin right away. And uh, each lesson just walks them through that. And they can continue going as long as they want to. So a lot of our women will go through it like three times, which is about a year with us and just find so much healing in it. And I just, the strengths of it are the fact that it, it is just, it's really spirit filled. I mean, it's just full of God's presence. We've just seen God do amazing things and it doesn't seem to matter who leads it. The materials are just so God centered and come from God's heart. God has a lot to say about oppression and domestic abuse is oppressive. And so we are there to walk alongside her. We're not there to tell her what to do, whether to leave or to stay. We're just there to walk alongside her as she seeks God for his will for her life and to find healing and wholeness. And we have thousands of stories of how God has done this for so many women. And many of our leaders were once participants in our program who are now in a healthy place and able to lead other women through their healing process. Make sure to follow Abuse Recovery Ministry and Services Arms on Facebook, as well as Abuse Recovery Ministry on Instagram, and check out the website, abuserecovery.org. That's abuserecovery.org. More with Stacy Womack next. I'm Mike Lee, sitting in for The Georgine Rice Show. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Welcome back to the Georgine Rice Show. In for Georgine, I'm Mike Lee. Stacy Womack is the founder and executive director of ARMS, Abuse Recovery Ministry Services, and it started locally and now it's gone globally. You can find out more about the ministry at abuserecovery.org. That's abuserecovery.org. And Stacy, one of the things I love about your nonprofit group is that you're helping out churches of various different denominations. And I think there's an unnatural stereotype that church families, church couples, even people in ministry leadership positions all have hunky-dory lives and they're well-balanced and they don't need outside intervention. But I know for a fact that that's not really true. So can you give us any good suggestions for those of us working in ministries or outreaches how do we keep ourselves in line to the point where we're living good examples and that we're not delving into abuse of any type? Well, that's a, that's a lot, of, lot of questions in one there. Uh, well, first off, I'd like to just point out that domestic abuse uh, is as prevalent within the church as it is outside of the church, but it is not talked about, uh, much like other things weren't talked about for many years. So it's still not being talked about. And, you know, it's kind of a volatile, uh, you know, topic to talk about for churches. And I've had pastors tell me that they're concerned, um, you know, about how it could impact the entire congregation if they do begin addressing it. But um, I can guarantee that if a pastor begins making it safe, uh, talks about how abuse isn't okay, uh, that those who are experiencing abuse will come forward and begin sharing with it, and that's where they need that education. As far as just being a person and, um, you know, in general, whether you're in church or out of church, I, I think that the thing 
especially, I guess if you're talking about church, you know, that was kind of the question you're asking me, you know, when the Bible talks about loving, like uh, Christ loves the church, when that's that command to men to love your wife, like Christ loves the church, there isn't a lot actually taught on what that actually looks like. So the men are like, yeah, I'll lay my life down for my my wife, like meaning they'll throw themselves in front of a a bullet that's coming at their wife. But really it's talking about the everyday stuff. Like, are you willing to serve, not be served? Are you willing to be the head servant of the family? It's completely, honestly, backwards from what society has taught us. Uh, So how, how do you love in a way that is like Jesus loves. So when it comes to, uh, you know, the things that you feel are your rights and are you willing to give those things up in order to minister to your family? Um, and I think that we're all a little selfish and a little self-centered, some of us more than others. And that needs to be something that we deal with and that we're honest with, uh, about the fact when we want things our way. For instance, my husband and I, we built our home years ago, uh, when we were a young married couple and I kind of had to manage it because he was uh, overseeing a 24-7 shift of people. And every contractor told me that our marriage would end because of us doing this. And I think it's because they had watched so many couples fight over how things should be done. But our our relationship was such that Jerry was just so open to, I trust you, go for it, you know, um, you're going to be in it more than I am, so you might as well have it the way you want it. And it's just his willingness to lay down his things. But I, I always checked in with him and said, do you want this or do you want that? And, you know, it's that that working in a harmony together. I believe that the husband and wife and God are the earthly exa- example of what the Trinity is. So uh, with the Trinity, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you do not see them having power struggles amongst themselves. And I believe the husband, wife, and God, it was also supposed to have this this sense of unity where you're working together. It's not a hierarchy. It's a working together and a partnership together because the Bible says you're one, you become one. So it's not like half your body can decide, well, we're doing it this way. And you're the half body's going, but I don't want to. So you should be working together in unity. And I think that that's something that we need to look at. And it's, it's interesting that um, even in the faith community, there is a, still a very strong belief that that men have that because they're male, that they are the boss, uh, when that is not what Jesus modeled for us. And I, I just had a couple from um, Nigeria, and, and he said, after hearing our lesson on submission versus oppression, he goes, I learned that being the man doesn't make me the boss. And it was like mind-blowing for him. And they both, he and his wife were saying, how much that even just grasping that had helped their marriage already. And these are people who are already in ministry, upstanding citizens in their community, and just uh, being able to work uh, out what's best for everybody. So it's kind of a consensus. You both share your ideas, and you decide what's going to benefit all. And sometimes that means laying down what you want in order to do that. And that's not an easy thing to do. That's some great advice you have for us. Thank you for sharing. Stacy. with all the churches that you've dealt with across the globe and here in the Pacific Northwest, are there certain trends and positive stories you have to share about what the church is doing right when it comes to helping people who are victims of domestic abuse? 
It's been a slow-moving barge, I guess you could say, and it really has a lot to do with where the lead pastor, their belief systems, and their willingness to learn about this. I mean, there's been a lot of trainings that I've done where the lead pastor didn't even come to the training, and I see that as a problem because a lot of the marital issues that they're dealing with and problems that they're having are based in domestic abuse or power and control. And I honestly feel like it's worse now as far as like what we're seeing in society and our churches around us, The um, it's just increasing. And so I feel like when the churches are willing to listen and consider this and actually have those discussions about this very, very difficult topic, I think that they can really see some changes, but they they need to be prepared and they need to have enough training. They don't have to be experts in it, but they need to have enough training to know where to send them, where to get them help, what to do and what not to do in those situations. There's one pastor who I think he's been someone who's done things really well. If If a woman confides that there's abuse, uh, he's going. He actually has her stay in the church, and he finds another church for the man to go to for a while, um, and talks to that other pastor so that they they can create safety within the church for her. Why they help him and work with him and and work with both of them basically, and uh, that is really a great model of, of how to handle it. And you know, he said, you know, if the guys are not resistant, usually you know, things can progress very quickly. But if you get resistance and you're, and now the the abuser considers you the enemy, then you kind of know this is really the case of what's going on. And, uh, but I can tell you the vast majority of our women that we serve have to leave their church body in order to find support. And so some of them leave the church altogether. They still love God, but they hate church. And that's what they tell me. Um, so I think that, um, you know, it's it's been a slow uh, moving thing. And I still have churches who very much disagree with us. They actually think we're promoting divorce, which we are not. Uh, we want reconciliation as much as they do, but we do not believe that God would sacrifice a person for the sake of the relationship. And, uh, you know, helping them to understand our, really our heart behind this. Uh, and some of those churches don't even call to have a conversation. They just had a conversation with the Maybe a man who came to our program for a couple of weeks and was angry, and who told them that we that we were off base. Um, so I would just you know, would encourage churches to actually reach out and find out um, what we're about and what we do and how we can help. And you know we don't even have to agree on everything, but we can we can help walk people through this process and we can help them and the people they're serving walk through this process if they're willing to. I wish I could say more, but the reality is that statistically, the church is the number one place people go for help, but they've actually been the least helpful. And I don't think it's because they don't care. I think it's because they're not educated. Thank you for founding and directing ARMS, Abuse Recovery Ministry Services, and for your candid insights about what we in the church have been doing right and what we need to keep an eye on improving when it comes to domestic violence. Stacey Womack is the executive director and the founder of ARMS, Abuse Recovery Ministry Services. This is Mike Lee filling in for Georgine off on vacation, and you're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ.
You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show. This is Mike Lee pinch in for Georgine, who is off on vacation right now. Stacey Womack, thank you for founding and directing ARMS, Abuse Recovery Ministry Services, and for your candid insights about what we in the church have been doing right and what we need to keep an eye on improving when it comes to domestic violence. But just to clarify, ARMS is not promoting divorce as much as encouraging people to seek help and counseling and separation temporarily, if need be, to get out of a violent domestic situation. Is that correct? Yeah, we're really about healthy relationships. And so we, when you're dealing with uh, relationships that are about power and control, uh, separation is really uh, very, very helpful because it helps them to get their focus off of one another. Uh, couples counseling is not something that helps with this, although I haven't met a Christian woman yet who hasn't tried it. And we will try everything because we want the relationship to work. So usually separation is like her final straw, like this is the last chance to see whether the relationship can make it. It's not what the women want. Um, and I know the church, and my father was a pastor, so I completely get this. They don't want separation. They worry it's going to lead to divorce. But honestly, in these situations, it's not the same as normal marital conflict, and you cannot treat it the same. Otherwise, you put her in danger, and it does not work. It's like oil and water. You can put them together and shake them all you want, but they're always going to separate because they're two different things, and they need to be dealt with two different ways. And so as an organization, we're about helping the individuals with the hopes that they can both do the work they need to do uh, for reconciliation, but we we can't guarantee that uh, because, uh, you know, we can't change anybody. Only God changes the hearts of men, and you have to be willing to partner with God in that process. Great advice from Stacy Womack of ARMS, Abuse Recovery Ministry Services. Check out abuserecovery.org. That's abuserecovery.org. ARMS' mission is to provide educational counseling and awareness programs to individuals faced with domestic abuse. Using biblical principles, ARMS encourages beliefs and behaviors that heal and promote healthy lifestyles. So thank you for putting ARMS together, Stacy. And earlier on, you were mentioning her journey. Are there other programs or classes or resources? Sure. You know, after we started her journey and we were helping these women of faith heal from the abuse, I thought, gosh, what's out there for the men? So my husband and I began training for domestic violence intervention or batteries intervention uh, and wanted to do it from its, this faith perspective. And so Jesus is really a model for that program. That program is called Mankind, and we meet state standards here in Oregon. Uh, we used to have uh, be certified in Washington State, too, but aren't currently. Uh, but we serve people from all over. We, we Even some men, because there's so almost no, none uh, as far as faith-based domestic violence intervention programs nationally. There's men who will travel as much as three hours one way, uh, so six hours total a week just to come because they want a faith-based program. This program is uh, doesn't have an exact amount of weeks. Uh, it's usually a minimum of 36 sessions, uh, weekly sessions, hour and a half long. There is an intake involved. There are is regular attendances required. Fees are have to be paid. Homework has to be done. Books are read. This is a discussion-based group. Uh, where we're using, again, Jesus as the model for how do we live out what Jesus says. I mean, like I mentioned before, there aren't many 
things out there that talk about what that actually looks like. And so we talk about like the everyday daily things and how they could be handled in appropriate ways. So that program, I'm, I'm very passionate for our, our uh, prevention programs because I feel like if we're only helping those who are being pushed off the cliff, but we're not stopping those who are doing the pushing, we're not really solving the problem. And I, I, I really believe that at the heart of most men, they really do want to be better men, and uh, but it takes getting past that shame and the stigma of even using the word abuse, which isn't just physical. In fact, most of it's not physical abuse. Most of it's emotional abuse, which is more damaging. Um, just getting past that and getting into the place where they can begin looking at themselves and being honest with how their behavior has negatively impacted others. Um, and the men who go through the program, probably the most common thing we hear from them is that they grow in self-respect and their relationship with God improves, their relationships at work, their relationships with their extended family. Uh, people notice, even their kids will notice. We had one man whose uh, son asked him one night, Dad, are you going to that Be a Better Dad class? Because he felt like his dad was being a better dad by coming to our Mankind program. So uh, it's, it's very encouraging when we get to see that, but it is, it's hard work, and we honestly feel the longer the men stay in the program, the better they are at sustaining the change that they've made. And then we have our women's program called Virtue, which is very similar to our men's program. It's approximately 36 sessions long. Again, intake, uh, regular attendance, fees, homework, books to read, that type of thing as well. In this class, we, we do a little bit more victim uh, recovery work in there uh, because all the women that we serve have experienced abuse throughout their lifetime. Um, very few come to us who have just experienced it in their adulthood. And even our men, honestly, a lot of them have experienced abuse in their childhood, so that's not uncommon for us to hear about that. They're great programs, and we've seen um, great change, but sustaining that change is not easy. I love the opportunity to speak with experts in the field like yourself, Stacy, and dispel erroneous ideas or stereotypes that might be out there. So am I correct in thinking that most of the abuse that you're dealing with at arms is male on female, or are there exceptions? Are there men being abused by women at the same time? So there's statistically, I think one of the best statistic is 76% of victims are female. And part of the reason for that is that someone has to uh, have a way to have uh, power over the other person. And I think because men are bigger and stronger and have uh, more privilege than women, that that just happens kind of naturally. Uh, but there are women who use abusive behaviors. Uh, many of the women that we serve are what we call secondary aggressors. It doesn't make the abuse okay. Uh, so they are being, they're using abusive behaviors, but they're not necessarily gaining power and control from it. They usually get a little payback for it. Again, it doesn't make it okay. It's not okay if you even just use abuse once in a while, like we all do. Say something we shouldn't have said, behave in a way we shouldn't have behaved. Uh, but for those who are abusive, uh, they are using a pattern of behaviors uh, ongoing in multiple areas. And so both men and women can be victims of abuse. Both men and women can be uh, primary aggressors of abuse. Both men and women can be secondary aggressors of abuse. Uh, but most primary aggressors are male. If you need help from ARMS, Abuse Recovery Ministry Services, you can give them a call at 503 846 
503-846-9284. That's 503-846-9284 with more details at the website, abuserecovery.org. That's abuserecovery.org. More with Stacey Womack next. I'm Mike Lee sitting in for The Georgine Rice Show. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Thank you for joining The Georgine Rice Show. In for Georgine, I'm Mike Lee. Stacey Womack serves as the founder and executive director of ARMS, Abuse Recovery Ministry Services, helping people out at the number 503-846-9284. That's 503-846-9284. And do check out the website, abuserecovery.org. That's abuserecovery.org. Stacey, I want to thank you so much for what you're doing with your nonprofit group. And because ARMS receives support from multiple churches, but you're not affiliated with any specific church or denomination, you're able to welcome men and women of all different faiths with your resources. With your experience, Stacy, are there certain levels of abuse that the church needs to simply nip in the bud simply? And are there other aspects of abuse that the church needs to let perhaps go to someone more concentrated when it comes to education or being in the abuse prevention field? I think there's a lot of abuse uh, that is kind of considered normal. There's a lot of verbal and emotional abuse or what we call psychological abuse. It's kind of normal and it looks a lot like normal marital conflict, but uh, it is different. There is that ability to recognize if one person is controlling the other person on a regular basis. So, for instance, you know, we had somebody at church, and uh, he would never—he was never willing to watch the kids so that she could go to any uh, women's Bible studies or um, retreats or anything like that. That it's a a way to control what she do, does, where she goes, the support she gets. Um, I've I've had. Men move their their wives as soon as they made contact with me. I had three men in my church uh, move their wives within a very short period of time from our church to another church because I was there, and that was presenting a possibility for them to get some help and some support they needed. Uh, I think it's going to be hard for uh, people. It's not like you go and look at somebody and say, oh, they're being abused. The reality is that they're sitting right next to you in church and they look like the perfect family and they come to church and they are involved and they're helping with Sunday school and they're on the church council or uh, they're, they're doing things and you would never know. And, uh, you know, and as a good Christian woman, you're not, we're, we know we're not supposed to talk poorly about our husbands. And so we don't. And not only that, it could be unsafe if we do. And we're also hoping that he's actually going to change that that when he he apologizes and said he's sorry he, that he won't do it again that that that's actually going to happen so you know we all live in a broken world and we're all affected by it so it doesn't uh it doesn't matter if you're in church or out of church or if you're even a pastor pastors uh can be abusive uh there's a lot of roles that are power roles like police officers and lawyers and pastors and you know, uh, CEOs, you know, those are power positions. And sometimes you find, uh, you know, some people in those positions who uh, are controllers and uh, 
my husband and I can often see it just by watching how a man is interacting with his wife, how they interact as a couple. We can see how he um, dis, uh, disqualifies her, puts her down in, in very subtle ways that nobody else would notice, but because we do the work, it's like always on our radar. And it doesn't make that person a horrible person. It just means that they're, they're both completely unaware that those those behaviors are actually abusive and damaging to their relationship. So I've had, I've had some people say we need to offer this in every church, but it's so highly accountable that I don't know that a lot of uh, men especially would feel comfortable coming in and having us require them to talk as accountably as we require in our men's group. But the concepts of what we teach are uh, would be good for anybody. In fact, most of our men say that every man should take this program. So because the concepts are biblical and they work and uh, uh, they're not easy, uh, it takes a lot of effort and a lot of humility to make it, uh, it work and for these guys to actually see that change happen. Uh, but I tell you, it's pretty amazing when they do. So I don't think a church can just say, oh, that's abuse. I mean, obviously, everybody recognizes physical abuse. But even that, I've had women say, you know, that the pastor said to him, well, how long has it been since he, he last hit you? And she'll say, well, six months. And she's, they act as though she shouldn't be afraid anymore because it's been six months. When in reality, once he stepped over that line, um, he has shown her he could do that at any point. And there's a lot of men as they age don't ever have to be physical anymore if they were physical at all, ever, uh, because he has convinced her uh, that he's dangerous and he's, he's beating her down emotionally. She's lost so much of herself that she no longer fights uh, back because she, does, she just doesn't have it in her anymore. Well, that's terrible, Stacy. So, Running Arms Abuse Recovery Ministry Services Can you define some of the abuse which is not physical? Are there signs we should be watching out for? Sure. So we we talk about verbal abuse, and every category has ones that are obvious, you know, like yelling and swearing and name-calling. Those would be obvious forms of verbal abuse. But we also include things like sarcasm. Sarcasm means the tearing of flesh, and we live in a very sarcastic world. And so it's a way to put somebody down, and everybody laughs, but she knows what he means when he does that. And my husband and I made an agreement early in our marriage that we would not do that. Now, I think I'm more sarcastic than him, so I probably I probably missed that the mark more than once with him, for sure, more than he has with me. Uh, but it's not a healthy way to communicate, but it's a, it's a way to put somebody down. There's always a little bit of truth to it. That's what makes it funny. Uh, but it's always at someone's expense. So that would be a, a form of verbal abuse. Uh, even... Um, I talk about interrupting. I do a lot of interrupting. I do it a lot to keep us on time in groups and things like that. But it, most of the time it's not abusive, but it can be abusive. And if it, it, and I've left my husband feeling disregarded because I've controlled the conversation by interrupting him and not allowing him to complete his thought. And he felt disregarded. And that's where it moves from just being normal control to being abusive control because of the negative impact on the other person. So there's very subtle things that, that you can do. Uh, you know, verbal abuse doesn't have to be done with yelling and screaming. It can be done very calmly, calm put-downs, uh, questioning her, um, you know, in different ways. Uh, 
psychological abuse, which is the most common form of abuse, is done with mind games. And those are the hardest to identify, the hardest to explain to someone. It sounds like normal marital conflict. This is where she begins to wonder if she really is crazy like he, he says she is. Uh, you know, this is where um, she is told that what she feels isn't what she feels, uh, that she's wrong about her thoughts, that uh, he might use countering where she says one thing and no matter what she says, he takes an opposite position. Um, it just, it destroys somebody from the inside out. Our soul, it, healthy soul, our mind, our will, and our emotions, we need that to live life healthy. And when someone is tearing that down, undermining it uh, to the point where the person begins to lose their sense of identity, their sense of worth and value. Um, it is just is really, really hard to explain that to anybody. And even most women wouldn't actually call themselves a victim because of the way they define abuse. They would only define it as physical abuse. And yet, again, most abuse isn't physical, which is crazy when you think about how physical abuse is the number one cause of injury to women in the U.S. It's the number one cause of injury to women in the world. And yet it is the least form of abuse used. So we have verbal, psychological, uh, financial, sexual, property, spiritual, and animal. So we talk about it in all those categories on top of physical. So, you know, questioning her salvation would be a, a spiritual form of abuse, using scripture to get her to comply, to do what he wants, making her go to church, keeping her from going to church, uh, probably the most common thing among regular church-attending men is they go to the pastor to present his case, and he's very believable, um, and he discredits her so that when she does come forward, she isn't believed. She's thought to be lying or have mental health issues, which is the most common things we hear. And so that's why, again, the faith community becomes a very unsafe place for these women who are facing non-typical uh, forms of abuse, what people would define as domestic violence and abuse and yet all of it is damaging and all of it brings death to a person and it brings death to the children does horrible damage to the children and I've worked with many men and women who whose whose mothers and fathers were in the ministry who were also abusive and nothing twists faith like mis mixing domestic abuse in with faith it just is the most horrendous thing and I, I know that God hates it, and that this is not the way it was supposed to be. Stacy Womack is the executive director and the founder of ARMS, Abuse Recovery Ministry Services. And when we return, let's find out about an event that you're invited to. This is Mike Lee filling in for Georgine off on vacation, and you're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. This is The Georgine Rice Show. Mike Lee here filling in for the vacationing Georgine Rice. And my pal Stacy Womack serves as the founder and executive director of ARMS, Abuse Recovery Ministry Services. And you can find out more information on their website, abuserecovery.org. That's abuse recovery.org. Stacy, is there an ideal age for people to start evaluating their respective upbringings when it comes to getting into a relationship and not trying to bring baggage or bad habits with you? <laughs> um, well, hopefully uh, it would be as early as middle school, right? Um, 
but middle schoolers aren't at that maturity level to be looking at that. I, I think, um, you know, when someone's a young adult, uh, I, I, there is state law now that requires the schools to teach about trafficking and domestic violence. Um, so they should be doing that. I don't know how well they're doing that. Uh, but, you know, love loves to be blind, right? Uh, so um, uh, uh, you, you get into a relationship and you, you fall in love and you excuse the behavior away because you love him and you're just sure you can just pray him through this and you just walk through his, his trauma that he experienced and that you're going to be able to help fix him. And that's not the reality. Uh, and we're not the fixers. God is. And so we don't get as many younger women in our programs because they're still trying to fix him and they still want to believe that when he says he's sorry that he's going to actually change when that's not the case. He's just saying sorry to get her back into the relationship. So usually by the time the women get to us, they've, they've experienced a lot of loss. Um, so they maybe have some health issues, they may be financially devastated. They may have no friends left, um, no community around them. He may have moved her uh, far away from anybody who would be a support system to her, isolated her in a lot of different ways. Um, so the women usually, you know, when they're coming to us, they're, they've got, there's already been a lot of loss happening, a lot of heartbreak, and um, none of these women step away from these relationships slowly or quickly. They do it very slowly and methodically because they really don't want the relationship to end. They just want the abuse to end. So um, I think anybody listening to this who's hearing anything that says, oh my gosh, that's my relationship, uh, then it's time to evaluate it and look at what, learn some more about it so you can begin to figure out what path and what steps God wants you to take. It doesn't necessarily mean the relationship has to end. But what should you be doing? Because abuse is, was never part of God's plan for a healthy relationship. Well, that's for sure, Stacy. You had mentioned that certain people walk into relationships bent on fixing the other person. I can change them. I can make them better. Are there certain personality traits that you've seen in abuse victims that are common? I, I, it's really an equal opportunity offender. And... Low self-esteem, the lower the self-esteem, the more more likely, the more vulnerable that makes that person to walk into an abusive relationship, not because she's trying to fix, but just because of low self-esteem and this person comes along and they're, they just seem so loving and they lavish attention on her that she's been craving. And so uh, she just quickly falls in love and before long, uh, little things begin to happen, but again, you know, he might apologize or she excuses it away. And so it's just, it's, it's very complicated. People who think that this is something simple or easy, uh, they're wrong. Um, it, it takes a tremendous amount of time and work to figure out uh, what you want, uh, what you want in the relationship, what you want for the rest of your life. What does God want? I mean, when you add faith to domestic abuse, you've added a whole nother layer of, um, a sense of, you know, what does God think about this and what should I do? And if you have kids, you've got another layer there with, oh my gosh, you know, we have shared children. What's going to be the best thing? Would it be better for me to stay with him because then I can be a buffer and protect them? Or, or what? I mean, there's just so many layers. Or how am I going to make it financially 
uh, because he's been the one who's uh, worked and he encouraged me to stay home. Uh, and maybe that's what she wanted to do, but now she's been out of the workforce for so long, she doesn't have a, a way to step back in and make enough to support her family without him. Stacy, in case a listener right now is thinking, do I have problems in my relationship? Am I an abuse victim? Do I look for certain types of charisma or personality that puts me in a position to be taken advantage of? Do you have a, a quick list for us to go down to say, if this happens to you, you might be more prone to abuse? So on our website, we have kind of a relationship evaluation and it's degendered. So a man or a woman can go through it and they can really go through that list and, and kind of check off the things. And again, it's a pattern of behavior. So it's not a one-time thing. It's a, it's a pattern, ongoing pattern in multiple ways. So it's everything from, we start off with, does your abuser's uh, anger um, surprise you, confuse you? Are you afraid of their anger? Um, do they control who you spend time with? Um, do they, um, you know, tell you how to dress or wear your makeup? Or, um, you know, we have all these, like, again, just controlling behaviors that make up the bulk of abusive behaviors, which are not illegal, but are damaging to the individual. So it's really about the control, the power and control this person has over them. So they, they, they'll begin isolating them from friends and family and uh, convince them that their family is against them and even move them out of state and away from their uh, their family so that they don't have that support. We get plenty of calls from parents here going, what do we do? Our daughter, we can't even have contact with her now. He's, he's completely, uh, you know, removed that from us. Um, so, uh, you know, I don't know if that answered your question, Mike, but uh, that relationship test is a really good way to just go and, and take a look for yourself on our website at abuserecovery.org and do your own evaluation of your relationship. And feel free to call us. We can just have a conversation with you. You can call ARMS Abuse Recovery Ministry Services at 503-846-9284. That's 503-846-9284. Stacy, thanks so much for helping people out through ARMS, the Abuse Recovery Ministry Services nonprofit group that you have founded. And would you like to give people an invitation Sure. Uh, we are actually getting ready to celebrate our 25th anniversary. Um, this is our first in-person event in three years, and uh, it is something they would need to call us for because it is by invitation only, so I'm inviting them, but they do need to call and find out more about it, and, it, and people do have to RSVP for it. Uh, but this is an opportunity to uh, come and learn more about what we do and hear some testimonies, and then also have an opportunity to, to actually help others. Uh, uh, all the donations, we have it pre-sponsored, so everything that's given the night of this event goes directly to help uh, the victims and survivors of domestic abuse that we serve, because we offer that program for free, because most of them don't have any resources because the abuser has been controlling the finances. So we also have a, a silent auction. We have some really great ideas, uh, fun things to do, like a beach trip. And we have a, uh, a hot air balloon ride. And we just have a, a lot of fun things that uh, people can 
do uh, and, and maybe even buy his Christmas gifts <laughs> since we'll be getting into that season. On October 1st is, is the date of that event. It's the first Saturday, and it's actually the, the very day that I started 25 years ago. So it's kind of historic in a lot of ways. It's also considered Domestic Violence Awareness Day. So God knew exactly what he was doing when he had me start. There's no way that's a coincidence. So thank you so <laughs> much for founding ARMS, Stacy Womack. And congratulations on your 25th anniversary banquet and silent auction. I want to thank you for asking me to emcee the event. I'm looking forward to that coming up on October 1st. The silent auction starts at 545 and the banquet begins at 630. And I'm privileged to be the master of ceremonies with details when you call 503-846-9284. That's 503-846-9284. 9284. All donations from this fundraising event go directly to provide free recovery services to victims and survivors of domestic abuse. ARMS provides free, faith based classes to educate, encourage, and support women who are recovering from domestic abuse, also providing intervention programs for both men and women. You can find out more about that relationship checklist and other wonderful resources at the website abuserecovery.org. That's abuserecovery.org. Stacy, thanks so much for all that you're doing to help people live healthier, more godly relationships. Thank you. Appreciate it. One more time, that website address is abuserecovery.org. Coming up next, take down this website address. It's clackamasloveinc.org. That's clackamasloveinc.org. And that INC stands for In the Name of Christ. And when we return, Executive Director Stuart Smith next. I'm Mike Lee in for the vacation in Georgine Rice. And thank you so much for joining us on The Georgine Rice Show. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. This is Mike Lee in for Georgine. Our very special guest serves as the executive director of a nonprofit group called Clackamas County Love, Inc. His name is Stuart Smith. You may remember him from Crosswoods Church in Vancouver and Calvary Chapel, Portland. And somewhere in between, you and your family were actually serving overseas. That's right, yeah. How was that experience for you? Uh, It was an amazing experience. It was so much fun. And the story on it, you know, we can go into – I probably should write a book about it because it was quite a a good God story. Um, but our time, so I attended uh, Calvary Chapel, Portland. Uh, I was the youth pastor there for about 10 years. And somewhere in uh, in that time span of time, uh, the Lord prophetically called myself and my family. I have a, 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 20, a wife of 26 years, not a 26-year-old wife, a wife of 26 <laughs> years, and, uh, and a, now an 18, uh, almost 19-year-old son. And uh, so about six or seven years ago, the Lord prophetically called us to go to Hungary to attend Bible college. And so I attended the Calvary Chapel Bible College in Europe, in Hungary, in Vita, Hungary, a small little village of about 300 people, including the college campus as well. And it was one of those times in my life that has just really opened my eyes to people, uh, to communities, uh, to ethnicities, uh, to faiths, and to um, just, it really showed me um, the value of people in so many different ways. And it really opened my eyes. You know, again, I spoke a little bit ago about us creating these little bubbles of protection around us that keeps keep out all the bad guys, you know, or all the bad things, unless I watch it on TV or uh, other things. <laughs> but I think that 
it when we travel, it really allows us to get exposure that I think is so healthy for us. Um, and it definitely was for me. And so I spent about we spent about three years in Hungary and about a year in Italy. And uh, some of the fun stories from there specifically is that I got to work uh, with the Nigerian refugees that were coming out of Nigeria and some of the other uh, north and, and western parts of Africa. And uh, I worked in the um, with the with the gentleman that uh, maybe about twenty or so Christians that I worked I worked with for a little while and just did some VBS or not VBS but some um, Bible studies with them and just you know creating relationships with them and walking them near to Jesus, which was a lot of fun. Um, but the part of the exciting part really was that we also adopted a little girl uh, in Hungary as well. So and again, these stories that only the Lord can curate, um, which we happen to be a part of, were just so much fun, you know, but we, as soon as we landed, I think it was January 15 or 2015 or something like that. And, um, within a few weeks, we were, um, in a town, just a few miles where we were living, signing up, signing paperwork to be adoptive parents. Uh, so it's just, uh, it's just this, I know it sounds, it's more random. It's more crazy than just even saying it that way. But even saying it like that, it sounds pretty crazy. But uh, we were on this journey to adopt a little girl. Within um, eight months, we had her in our household. And now she's living with us here in the States. And uh, um, it just, it's so much fun. It's so, God is so much fun. So you already were blessed with a son at this point. Mm -hmm. So did you always have it on your heart to be an adoptive couple? Uh, yeah, I think so. I think that my wife and myself, we always wanted to have a, you know at least a couple of kids. And uh, and my son, after my son's birth, we were no longer able to have children. And so adoption was always on our heart, or um, fostering was on our heart for sure. Uh, but the cost of doing that is so high; it's astronomical. The beautiful thing, one of those God stories in Hungary, is that if you're a resident of Hungary, there is no fees. There's no cost to adopt. You just have to go through courses. You have to, so I think our total cost of adoption, because we had to do some driving, we had to do, we had to rent a, 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 an apartment for a couple of weeks or something like that as we were doing some visitation things. I think our total cost was maybe eight hundred dollars. You know, so it's just one of those beautiful testimonies of the Lord that us wanting to have a little bit larger family, uh, we're able to do. So she's nine years old now. Her name is Sophia, and she's she's a. Uh, um, She's a lot of fun. <laughs> she's she's the reason why my hair is coming in a little bit grayer these days, though, for sure. <laughs> it's funny and wonderful and awesome and frightening all all at once. 100%. How different these kids are. Yeah. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, it is a lot of fun. Stuart, you'd mentioned that you were directly given the calling to serve overseas. Mm-hmm. Can you share that story with us? Yeah, of course. Uh, so. We were serving with at Calvary Chapel Portland uh, under Pastor Terry, who we're uh, equal and very good friends with. We love Terry McNair. Oh my gosh, he is the best. Good man. He is the best. And so I was serving under his leadership for a number of years as a youth pastor, and I was actually um, hosting these Portland youth conferences year over year. And I had no desire to leave to leave at all. I actually I wanted to retire as the youth pastor at Calvary Chapel Portland. That was kind of a, a dream of mine to be able to to be able to do that. Um, and there was a time at the end of this youth conference I would hold over uh, every year, and we were it's a Monday through Friday, and we had a concert at the end. And when we were locking up the building uh, on that Friday evening, the Lord spoke to me directly, almost au- nearly audible. Uh, I could definitely hear it in my mind's ear, and uh, He said that you won't be you'll be you won't be locking this building much longer, anyways. You won't be hearing it much longer. And so that started about a year and a half of prayer between my wife and myself. And so after about a year and a half of praying. Um, 
it's so funny because <laughs> we we became we kind of was I think we called it CPR. We had this idea that the Lord that we had this calling, we had this uh, peace, and then we had rest. And the the idea that my wife and I were looking for was what did we what is the stirring that we have within our hearts? And there was a um, a conference that was happening in within Calvary Chapel, the Senior Pastors Conference, and I was actually working on one of my vehicles. Uh, I think it was a, my Chevy Tahoe. And as I'm working on my Chevy Tahoe, I don't know if it was somebody, one of the speakers said something, but again, I heard that voice that I want to send you to Bible college. And I, and I, I, I know that it might, <laughs> how people think about that, I don't know, but I mean, it was, it was very real as, I, as I'm speaking to you right now. And so I went into my, uh, went into my house and I spoke with my wife and I said, here's what I think the Lord is doing. She goes, this is what we've been praying for. She goes, and that very moment we we had that immediate confirmation, uh, and we had our peace, and then we had we had rest in our prayer. We no longer prayed about where what we had to do. Our prayers then turned to where we were going to go, and we had this. We had a very prophetic, um, you know, person speak to us and share with us where we needed to go. So, but in the meantime, uh, we had a number of people handing us Bible college literature immediately after we had. I had this confirmation. And so we just thought, okay, this is just continued confirmation um, of what we need to do. And then one of my good friends, uh, Joe Minnick. Hello, Joe, if you're listening. I, he's in, I think he's in Deschutes area. So this is actually uh, Pastor Terry's son-in-law. <laughs> so keep it in the family kind of a thing. Um, but we were, it was a youth, uh, one of our Wednesday night gatherings. And uh, Joe said, uh, hey, Stuart, I think you need to go to Bible college. And I just said, you know, Joe, I appreciate that. At this point, we've not told anybody. It's now been at least almost a month and a half of my wife and I praying. And I said, you know, Joe, that's, I appreciate you saying that. And I didn't let on to anything. I haven't let on anything yet. I said, but you know my position here. You know that, you know how maybe little I make, you know my circumstances. Like, how would, how would I ever do that? What would you do in my situation? And at that moment, he goes, I would go to Bible college in Europe, to the Calvary Chapel Bible College in Europe. And I thought, boy, this is just, too wild, too crazy. But the fun part about that story is several weeks later, uh, his wife came up to me and said, hey, did Joe tell you? And I said, did Joe tell me what? He goes, well, Joe was not going to share that with you because the prophecy came to me that you need to go to Bible college. And so I told Joe, my husband, to tell Stuart that he needs to go to Bible college in Hungary. And Joe said, well, how am I, you know, we know who Stuart, he's such a big deal, right? I'm such a big deal. So how, <laughs> sorry, we're, Mike and I are both laughing at that, of course. Um, but, you know, how would I tell Stuart this? Like, I'm not going to tell Stuart that he's got to leave the church and go to Bible college. And then his wife said, well, if he asks you, what would you do in my situation? Then tell him this. And so the, all of these beautiful confirmations just kept coming and coming and coming. And uh, at that moment, at that time, my wife and I, we think we went down to, um, camp, we went out camping with my son. And we all, as a family, just began praying about, the reality of what this would mean, you know, picking up everything, selling our house, selling. We had a dog. That was a big hindrance, our dog. My son was not going to move uh, and go overseas. He was 11 at the time because we had a dog. <laughs> and just again, the Lord just prophetically speaking at Sister's Coffee in, in Sister's Oregon, you know, to my son saying, it's okay to let Ella go. <laughs> you know, and so it's just all these great things, you know, and I think a lot of it, it just comes down to, so my wife is is reading a lot of missionary books right now. And that 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 strange obedience, the things, the strange things that happen when you're obedient are just they're just awesome stories. They're 
it just has the biblical narrative all over it. And um, it's incredible. And it's it's a blessing and humbling, for sure, uh, to have kind of a biblical narrative story in your in your history. So, well, What a great, crazy, wild testimony you shared. And that's Stuart the 30,000 feet view. <laughs> oh, I love it. Great advice from Stuart Smith, who serves as Executive Director of Clackamas County Love, Inc. And you can find out more details at the website, org, which is spelled clackamaslove.inc.org. More with Stuart Smith next on The Georgine Rice Show. Georgine has the day off. I'm Mike Lee. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Thanks for joining us all on The Georgine Rice Show. Georgine has the day off. I'm Mike Lee. Stuart Smith is the executive director of Clackamas County Love, Inc., a wonderful nonprofit group that helps empower the churches to really serve the community. And you can find out more at the website, clackamasloveinc.org, which I'll link up to the Difference Makers page at truetalk800.com. Stuart, you were sharing about serving in missions overseas and how God threw in a daughter from Hungary for you to adopt. And regarding discovering God's calling and discerning if it's really from him mm-hmm. or it's from us, you'd mentioned praying and fasting really helped you out in mm-hmm. this situation. Yeah. So how did that work for you? Yeah. So I think that there is a connect, there's a connective tissue between praying and fasting. And we often will pray, um, but a lot of times our praying is maybe before a meal or maybe before some event or maybe you're liking something on Facebook and you're saying that you're praying um, but I feel like the idea of fasting is kind of a lost art within the Christian circles. I think we'll do it in a lot of ways, and I don't want to get too dogmatic on it, but I feel like a specifically a food fast is is very important. Now, obviously, if there's a dietary challenges or there's issues with your health, um, but I feel like there is, there, is some, there is something that is connected to the food that we eat and our prayer life and our spiritual journey. <laughs> Um, and it's and again, this is more maybe my own experience. Um, so I don't want to step on anybody's toes or make any upset. I know that there's there's a lot of people that have different physical challenges and ailments. I know for myself that when I am specifically looking for the Lord's peace, or within when there's things that don't make sense or there's no reason to them, uh, of which I've experienced quite a bit of that in my my recent history. But I think in that in that space when there's fasting involved. It really opens you up. And there's a, a great book. And there's not a lot of great books on, on fasting, unfortunately, which I think is very interesting. Uh, but there is a couple of them, and one of them by John Piper, A Hunger for God. And I think the title in in and of itself is almost enough. <laughs> you know, the idea that that we neglect food for ourselves to, to grow our appetite for Jesus and for our, our desire for him. And I feel that there are there are too many um, things that we use in place of fasting. Maybe it's from social media. Maybe it's from TV. Maybe it's from whatever. Um, but I, I and those are not wrong. I'm not saying that those are bad. But I feel like they don't have this. For me, they've never had the same power. Again, I'll put this on myself. They've never had the same power um, in that space. And I think that there is in that connective tissue between praying and fasting is that's where you see even biblically, historically, that's where people do hear from the Lord. You know, Daniel praying and fasting. All of a sudden, an angel speak, opens up and says, hey, how's it going? You know, um, you have some great stories uh, that are connected to praying and fasting specifically. And I think that those are, um, 
I think we overlook those too quickly. And to reiterate what Stuart was saying, there are people that have health issues mm-hmm. who yeah. need to perhaps find something else to fast from. But for the average normal healthy person, yeah, I think it's a bit of a lost art as you were sharing. Mm-hmm. So maybe if there's not enough good books about fasting and prayer, maybe God's going to call Stuart Smith to write the next one one of these days. <laughs> it's in the works. I got Scribner and everything. So yeah. Oh, you're way ahead of me. Good for you. Well, let us know <laughs> yeah. when that comes sure, out. We're looking forward to that, Stuart. So as the executive director of Love, Inc., it's not only physical resources mm-hmm. that you're helping people out with. It's also transformational classes. So That's can right. you share what you're offering? Yeah, absolutely. And so we we do offer a number of classes. And again, these are based upon the needs that we see in our community. Uh, a lot of them are parenting classes. For we have a, we do serve the majority of the people that we serve are working poor, and they are either single moms or uh, low in, very low income families. Those are that's kind of our niche. And so the classes that we provide um, will meet some of their basic needs. So of course we have a faith and finance class. Uh, we don't have these. Some of these are coming up, so we're we're really kind of ironing these out right now. Um, but I know that we have a parenting class coming up. We will ha- probably in the future have a a cooking on a budget class. Uh, we'll have some of those. Uh, we actually this this semester this course coming up, we do have someone that's going to be teaching uh, guitar classes, which is kind of fun. And uh, and so the classes that we provide, in my opinion, in my mind, is that it's another caveat for us to be able to get individuals in front of people who love Jesus. And so that's where like the guitar class doesn't have a lot of maybe practical, how do I get out of poverty kind of a, a situation. But the gentleman who is going to be teaching that class, uh, he's actually from Athey Creek and he is just dynamite. He's such a great man. And, and if, if I can get, if I can draw people in uh, to our, our atmosphere, our, our gravitational pull uh, through guitar classes to get them in front of Mark, um, then I think that's a huge win. <laughs> and I think, and I think the Lord will utilize those six stringing instruments to be able to bring the gospel out. So it's going to be a lot of fun. I wonder if a lot of the world sees us Christians as lacking in the fun department. Yeah, well, this, this, this isn't the, fun, the fundamentals, right? That's all fun. No, it's, <laughs> that's, that's how we started it. It's just like I don't diet because it's got the word die in front of it, you know. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I think so too. I think that when – I think there's two parts of it. I think that they probably do see us as restricting fun. Um, but I don't know that they see the side of where, where obedience is. Like my obedience to my wife of remaining faithful to her is way better than I, than all the heartbreaks of maybe someone who's single and, and messing around. You know, I, I don't know what that looks like personally. I've been married for a couple of years now. Um, but that idea is like being obedient to my wife and faithful to her. Man, I would never trade that for anything that the world would have to offer for sure. And I think in the same space that, Obedience to God is way better than flirting with the things of this world. Stuart Smith serves as executive director of the nonprofit group Clackamas County Love, Inc. And I want you to find out more about the wonderful programs and classes and this shoe drive they have mm-hmm. coming up at the website clackamasloveinc.org. That's clackamasloveinc.org. Stuart, on our way out, is there anyone you want to say hi to or send a shout out to? Well, of course, you have to, I've mentioned my wife a few times, so I'll have to say hello, Shauna. Uh, Shauna Smith, my, my wife of 26 years. Uh, I love you, and uh, I'll just kind of throw those out there. My son, Seaver, my daughter, Sophia. Um, but, you know, there's just so many people. So, again, if there's any level of success that I've achieved, it's because I'm surrounded by incredible people. 
And so the list of shout outs would, would be longer than my arm. So I just, if you know my name, if you know who I am, um, you know that you're part of this story. And I'm so, so grateful for you. Thank you so much for what you're doing for our community through Clackamas Love, Inc., Stuart, and for the example that you've set before mm-hmm. us. Amen. Feeling in for Georgine Rice, I'm Mike Lee, and thank you so much for joining us on The Georgine Rice Show. Thanks for listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. If you'd like to download a podcast of the show or would like more information on today's guests, please visit the show at kpdq.com or on Facebook. Follow the show on Twitter at G. Rice Show and like us on Facebook. And join us live every weekday at 4 for more critical thinking for critical times on 93.9 KPDQ. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.